So this evening in the period of time that uh, we have together, falling essentially into three to four areas. One area is uh, the guided meditation. This then followed up with a theme and short talk. Is there any responses or questions that you might have? You're very welcome to ask. And I'll speak a little bit about the donations and uh, the support. And also include um, a little bit about uh, the circumstances of the ward house itself. So let's just begin with a uh, um, meditation. And the uh, in uh, India, the word uh, asana um, is usually and immediately with the yogis associated with just a sitting posture. These days we have a more expansive range of what we call asanas, but in yogis of India, it's, it's about the sitting posture initially. So we sit with a straight back, sit, uh, sit tall, real sense of uh, presence. Whether we are sitting cross-legged or in the chair or kneeling. To really bring presence to the immediacy. And with presence, we sense and feel the sensations of life. The vibrations forming into features of existence. not directing mindfulness or meditation to any specific object. So presence also provides a receptivity. Might be the light in our eyelids if our eyes are closed. Any 
sounds moving through the space. form and sensations of the body in this single posture. So consciousness, or mindfulness, or awareness, supported with energy and interest. Gives a certain vitality to presence. This is the bare sensation of life, of human existence. Not concerned with names and forms and numbers. such as age or gender, formation of the body, or history or psychology, allowing that to rather fade of secondary importance. So there is an abiding in just presence. Not concerned with a name, an age, 
are a so-called personal history. To allow our being to be a little closer with life, to go a little deeper than the stories and all the constructions that make up our so-called self. the self of the age, of role, of identity, so there is a quiet presence. Allowing the whole being to rest in presence. so that we are not lost in what we see or hear, smell, taste or touch. Recognizing as outer formations, presentations, so that we can sink more deeply into the presence.
in being grounded, less inclination to thinking, daydreaming, wandering into yesterday or tomorrow. appreciating, recognizing the value of real presence. Presence to stillness, to teachings, to listening to others, to an activity. to solitude, so our world, so to speak, comes into this presence. being mindful that we do not exaggerate presence and put it into some ultimate or absolute category. perhaps regarding it metaphorically as an open door, as a gateway. So the human being can be receptive the more than what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think about and feel and remember. Establishing presence. 
as an open doorway. Remaining minute or two. May all beings explore the immediacy of life. May all beings feel the presence of life. May all beings come across an infinite number of insights and realizations. Okay. Thank you for uh, lending an ear. <clears throat> so, uh, this time, short talk. Following on from the uh, talk, I'll uh, invite any uh, questions and, uh, and we'll flow on uh, from there in the period of time that uh, uh, we have together. <clears throat> like to talk with you a little bit about the use, the uh, application of uh, the senses, the world <clears throat> is an extraordinary place insofar as we employ the senses and it's the instrument, not the only one, the instrument so to speak to make contact with this world. So our eyes, ears, nose, tongue and touch clearly interconnected. The expression of this through the senses touch upon us, registering an impression, eyes, ears, nose, tongue and touch. We, so to speak, receive it that some of those impressions, touch, enter into the mind, can enter into the feeling world. And out of this interplay, this uh, dynamic, we form our view of life, we form our view of the world, and we get familiar through what comes to us, what is inside of us already, information and experiences, and the meeting of the two, that is the outer and the inner, form together to generate, not create, but generate a view or views about this life and this world we are engaged in. It's a common story for all seven billion of us, around this planet. Perhaps, this is the question, slightly loaded, but anyway, the, the question is, if we re really wish to explore life well and deeply, is the best means 
are the only means for us through the senses. Is it that we can only know this world through the activity of the senses? And is it that there is the movement inside, it affects what we see and hear, uh, etc., and it keeps reforming the view? But what if? What if means an invitation. What if <clears throat> I recognize the extraordinary and remarkable function of the senses? I see how it gives an engagement. But what if I say to myself, the senses is not the means to know reality. We do not have to say to ourselves as humans, um, I know uh, um, that the reality of the world. I can, as we did with the guided meditation, let the world of the senses be quiet, not intruding, invading, impacting. Let our whole identity, even the idea of being a human being, with our roles, with our history, with our gender, with our age, with our name, letting all of that be rather quiet. So all of this which is presented to us is an outflow but from what? What's, so to speak, beneath it all? What's deeper than? What else are we missing? And the precious thing that we have is this element of uh, human consciousness and not putting something in front of it, nothing. Not the world, not thought, certainly not a microscope. That will not tell us what reality is. It will give a certain view in a certain way. And therefore there's this bare consciousness and rather meditatively in the quietness of the being and of the world, there is this, as I mentioned, receptivity. <clears throat> and the receptivity gives an opportunity for infinite discovery, the presence. It, for example, If we take an object, I remember, I'm just going to go back a little bit in time to give you an idea. In, in my um, monk's years, after three years in the Vipassana monastery, um, uh, I left and then um, I uh, went to the cave. 
some monks go from the Sangha of the collective to the Sangha of the cave and the trees and the nature and so on. So I was one of those, nothing special about this at all. But the incident is in there. So I had a very small kerosene lamp, 25 centimeters high maybe, if I remember rightly, a little kerosene, and a number of candles. And when the end of the day came, no, um, because there were snakes and scorpions and spiders and other creatures wandering around the cave, you know, it's not like one was alone. So I light the candle and sit and meditate on the candle. So therefore, there is presence to the object, but the candle, small flame, small candle, just in front in a small bowl, myself sitting there, keeping the eyes open and watching now. It has the potential to reveal much more than it is. Understand? We say, oh, it's just a candle. There's a guy's monk. He's sitting there. He's observing the candle. That's the reality. But the meditation on the presence, in this case, flame, candle, slowly moving through the wax, and sometimes, not always possible, I just wait, wait, sit still, sit still, wait, till the wax of the candle and the flame had completely extinguished itself. And just getting used to life, presence, alive, candle, flame, and extinguishing. It's a small example, there are many that we could find, where there is the presentation, not denying it, not denying its function, but a sense it is communicating something much bigger than itself, which is representative of everything else. And once that sense begins to come in, we are in touch and have access to what is infinite. The ordinary, in this case the candle, is the confirmation of the infinite. It has to be. The infinite can't be apart from the candle because it wouldn't be infinite, because it would exclude the candle. So um, mindfulness and meditations is the wish to see things clearly. The candle is a candle. A thought is a thought. A state of mind is a state of mind. Sight is a sight, a sound is a sound. There is the real wish to see clearly. We're meditators, we're women and men of the Sangha of mindfulness. There isn't any wish to exaggerate and inflate because we get ourselves into kind of trouble, that means suffering. But even with the calm and the clarity, there is just a seeing, just a hearing, just a smelling, just a tasting, just a touching, just a presence. Even with the calm and clarity, 
which brings a certain steadiness of the being because we're not projecting but the calm and the clarity of just the seeing and just the hearing is in order to discover much more it's not enough in life to be a calm person it's not enough to be non-reactive to what we see and hear it's not enough to live life and have little or no stress in it though plenty of people and i would say i'll be quite happy with that thank you but it's still a doorway it's still offering the potential for infinite discoveries and infinite realizations the calm and the clarity and the insight and the knowing of quote unquote ourself is the preparation for the infinite and the infinite is infinite and therefore experiences back to the candle meditated upon and explored and seen and understood with the being starts to confirm the infinite it has to because it is and there's no end to the revelations if it's infinite then, then there's the potential for infinite discovery you know, time to time not very often i might be in london small example and i might go into an art gallery national art gallery trafalgar square lots of paintings or british museum plenty of the paintings of course were stolen british empire and all that and one sees on the wall paintings going back 100 years 50 years hundreds of years and even now i can see in your homes paintings and presentations uh, there and there are in here as well and and goes into um, the gallery for the moment sits on one of those benches they're very quiet places usually the art galleries and just looks at the painting the eye moves and looks at the painting and it might be a, you know, a scene from where nature group of people hundreds of years old and the meditating upon begins to reveal far more than what one initially saw far more and meditation samadhi as the quiet concentration and the clear comprehension is a process of living giving us the opportunity to see more than we ever ever realized before ever that is fantastic 
That is amazing. The death of it is habit. The death of it is thinking I know. The death of the death means the, the, the hiding of the infinite is a, a view of seeing things as they are. Which the Buddha has never said, by the way, but that's another story. And more importantly, is our energy and our interest and the presence gives a chance for a lot more to be discovered and uncovered. So those of you who got the privilege of a, a painting, um, it may not be an original, appreciate, but uh, yeah, just take one of them and just look and look and look. And similarly, sometimes, I'm sure you've heard this a few times as well, uh, um, two people, maybe a person in our life, or you hear the story. Uh, one person says, you know, I never realized, and it never occurred to me this person could do this. And it could be something really wonderful and precious. So we just had uh, this rather sweet story of this 99-year-old former army, army officer decided he wanted to raise, I think, a thousand pound, 1,200 pound maybe, something like that, by doing a circular walk in the garden. The outcome of that that it touched something this old man trying to raise some money 99 years of age for our beloved national health service you know we, as we say here in britain it's the nhs is the nearest thing we have to a religion and he walks and he walks again and he walks again and he walks again and people just keep donating money and just this week, he just celebrated his 100th birthday there. He raised, I think the sum is 19 million pounds. Where did that come from inside of him? What is it about this old soldier who's just got promoted, incidentally, to being a colonel now, coming up with an idea, having no no concept. He thought it might just from some friends and others raise a little bit of money there, and it resonates. It touches something, and there is a response. People wish to give, and it sometimes it's in this touch with life. <clears throat> This which is original may or may not touch others, but it's the emergence of something new as an expression of the infinite. And that let us be interested in.
in, interested in. <clears throat> Therefore, the poem, the piece of music, the art on the wall, uh, uh, the plant in the plant pot, uh, uh, the candle, or whatever it might be, might be the doorway for immense discovery. And we'll know that because we meditate on it. We know that because we give presence to it. And that expansion perhaps brings one of the best joys of life. Enough? All right. <laughs> Let's have a, a, a quiet minute or two. And, um, <clears throat> and then if there's any uh, responses. May all beings appreciate the significance of presence. May all beings have the opportunity to see deeply. May all beings recognize that all the presentations of life are an open doorway into infinite discoveries. All right, thank you very much for uh, lending an ear. <clears throat> um, one person kindly got to email to me this afternoon in terms of uh, the sound, different sound, but um, I'm not yet fully Zoom literate. <laughs> I'd like to be, but I'm not uh, there. And there's a few things that we shall uh, um, still need to learn. And partly, just quickly here, that I might go to the very startup, I click on start, and the formation and, and the way things show themselves can be different from the way they showed themselves this afternoon and I didn't touch anything so you get these different kind of presentations and therefore muting and unmuting actually you can't see it at the moment so more importantly than all of that is any responses um, over the last days for you anything that you would like to touch upon in any uh, way any questions 
whatever, do feel free. Can be typed, of course, and um, it also can uh, be can be spoken. And I've uh, got the glasses uh, here. Um. I have a question. Yes, please, yes. I asked myself today, what is the Dharma teaching telling about dreams uh, you have at night or dreaming in general at night? Yeah. A good, good, uh, uh, good, good question. Um, it's um, very much included, very much, and <clears throat> um, we'll. I'll just go back very quickly to the Buddha prior to his awakening, and he made reference to five dreams, different dreams that he had. Uh, and a very good friend of mine, Julian David, who's a senior Jungian analyst, he's in his mid-80s, trained by a member of the Jung family in the 1950s, 60s, 50s, uh, there. And I said to him, oh, Gautama, prior to being the Buddha, referred to these dreams. And he said to me, and I said, also the Buddha gave an explanation for each one. So he, <coughs> Julian said to me, he lives nearby. He said, uh, tell me the dreams, but don't tell me the, an the analysis. Like that. So I did. And then I told him the an, uh, analysis. So the dream world, this is the two aspects to this. One is, there is a sense in the dream, this is from a Dharma perspective, not uh, that I am the dreamer. I, we wake up and oh, I, self, had a dream. So the dreamer seems to be different from the dream, separate. But Dharma is not so much concerned about the dreamer uh, separate from the dream, but about the insight which may come out of the event. And it's the insight which is important. The description may be there, but the description from the dreamer of the dream is less in, far less important than the insight that comes out of it. And for the insight that comes out of it, it's not so much use of the mind to endeavor to analyze the dream, but it's a sense of the all that of the presentations in the dream working and cooperating together shaping the dream can reveal something really worth seeing and being clear about. 
Therefore, it's not a mental cogitation of the dream, analyzing, thinking about it, what does this mean, getting a book out of the library, seeing what Carl Jung said, or whatever. But like I said a few moments ago, to be really present to the sense of the dream and what may emerge out of it. Now, to give you a good personal example, just quickly. Sometimes when I, um, I, I very rarely have a dream. I think, I think I've had one this year, as far as I can recall. So I'm, not, you know, it's not my cup of tea as a rule. But when I did have a dream, I would get hold of Julian because I absolutely love this man to bits, and um, go. He would see me and have an hour with him. So I had a dream. I get on the train, and the train is going out of the station. It's all like, you know, Christopher's life has been one, since I was a teenager, it's been one of fairly consistent travel. I think I'm ne nearly getting to the point uh, since 1977 of being at home for the most weeks, consecutive weeks, since 1977. That's it. Thank you to all those. <laughs> anyway, and, and then I realized I. I jumped off the dream, jumped off the train because I left my backpack on the platform. And I went down to the backpack and attended to, to, to it. And Julian asked me, remember, he said, what was the condition of your backpack? And I said, interesting you say that. I said, the top was unzipped and it was open and one could see the clothes inside. And he said to me, no problem, a healthy dream. If the backpack had been zipped up, I would have felt real concern. So just use it as a small example. So if it, was, if it had been zipped up, you know, what am I zipping up? What am I pushing away? Uh, etc. You get a sense of the dream. Okay. Am I closed off to something, as an example? And so the it's just a single insight, and might just shed light on the dream. Presence, not a lot of thinking, and something may just emerge that is really helpful. And not to consider, this is important as well, all dreams are a kind of product of the mind. It may not be that enclosed. So what I mean by that, there can be surrounding environments and circumstances and movements and dynamics and vibrations and events and lots of other things which we can't see nor hear which are going on, in this case in the night, and all of that outer world, as well as the inner world, is meeting together to help shape the dream. It's not just a self-manufactured event inside, don't, don't see it. All right, anyone else? Is it enough? Okay, thank you. Yes, anyone? So I'll take a couple of minutes at this time.
with the time um, passing by, if I may, <clears throat> just to speak a little bit about, about the donations, about the dharma uh, 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 there. And for those who've been on retreats, Sonia and myself, or with other teachers, who will already have some uh, knowledge about this. So it's a really precious and beautiful long-standing tradition it rather springs from initially and in the present a real sense that the the teachings and the practices for us are, are rather priceless that they are ex they are jewels which can't be bought. It's, it's that kind of sense and feeling that comes with them. And some of us, including this Walla, in our own small, modest way, wish to keep the reminder of this alive. And so what that means in the practical terms, the uh, centers like the Walled House, and to its tremendous credit, provides us with the environment. Good participants come, as you know, pay to help cover the variety of costs. And us as teachers come and we receive the kind donations that people uh, uh, give. And the act of, of this, and having just personally here lived like this since I ordained in 1970, so it's 50 years of this now, is the appreciation of the heart and the act of the giving and generosity, not only as part of the practice, but there's something quietly joyful in the mutual support of the Sangha of practitioners, something beautiful about what we offer and what we give and the support which we give to each other. Something really, really uh, uh, lovely about it. And many times, and I absolutely share this as well, that staff and organizers and teachers who have a great love of this tradition of donation said have said said to me and i've said to myself it can be that the there is more joy in the acts of the giving than if we were making a charge there's something about human beings when we are sharing things together and trusting with each other, um, which brings something really precious, that the mind isn't making the measurement there. And though it's genuinely convenient for payment for services, and I have no trouble with it whatsoever, it's not um, there, but Responding in a different way 
and having the privilege of it touches people touches all it touches myself it touches uh, all of us and the small gestures over the over the uh, life and sometimes people will say they say so and i would kind of sometimes think this way as well there is the receiving of donations it's one form of generosity energy and time knowledge skills preparation cooking organizing and much more is all in the field of the dana as well one of the gestures is the kindness of the act of the giving in some respect it goes to the you know in this case say to the teachers or to the world house but in a bigger respect we are just the person who receives in order to give it, it kind of passes through and makes other things available as well so i, I mentioned <coughs> this um, preparation this case uh, ula and i did in terms of giving support to people in the home situation and the allow uh, the opportunity for that with the 40 videos we made and the platform and the youtube etc and not making any charge for it the only way that could have happened and working morning noon and night is the only way it happened because people in the sangha offered dana over the days weeks and months in this case from india coming back from india which came into our hands or into our paypal my paypal account that gave support so the that which was received allowed the time to do just one of the activities to give people without any mention of money whatsoever an opportunity to explore some practices uh, in their uh, daily life while at home so far around 300 just came out around 300 people have registered and uh, uh, are doing uh, engaged in the course with the tools and and so forth that's because the sangha says we want to support you christopher we want to, to support the teachers and then we can give support and that applies in many many areas there my um, daughter as an example she uh, just speaking to her today with the four single mum with the four kids it's not easy not easy like one of the father or one of them is refusing to give her any money and etc hmm, things like that so she's really engaged in giving support she put a short message on the facebook about the domestic violence in two counties in britain within a week nine thousand people had checked out the website she only opened it up in November. 
just reflecting the stress and the tensions and the help that's really required. And that's made possible through the sangha of my friends giving dana to, for me to give to Nishona so she can give support to families involved in domestic violence as well as to the healthcare professionals and many others, doctors and nurses who are doing mindfulness practices through the support in the variety of ways. So it's really, there's a network. Can you hear the clapping? I'm just going to go, don't go away. I'm just going to ring the, ring the gong. It's the clapping for our NHS every Thursday. Hang on, you want to hear me? I'm the gong man. All right. <laughs> All over the country. Every Thursday, three minutes. They clap and the, uh, the ex-monk hits the gong. <laughs> Wonderful. Bless him. Very sweet. Man right opposite. I can see him from sitting here. He's an ambulance driver. Not an easy job. Beautiful, beautiful human beings. Precious. So, as it were, one or two, in this case, uh, Sonia and I, perceive, but then there's the out, various outgoings to give support to others as well as the basic uh, needs. And this is the whole principle, receiving and sharing, receiving and sharing. It's a very beautiful thing. And I know Sonia gives immense amount of time and, and all the preparation, lots of details, uh, with the course for uh, the week, takes a step out from uh, 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 precious and important work in the hospital in uh, Essen. And that kind of support people are receiving in the mornings with the, uh, and in the evenings um, over the days here. And similarly with regard to the ward house uh, itself. It's done it. it there's been in, obviously a deep wish for the retreats to continue. There's been contact and communication. It's very hard as we have spoken over the days to know exactly what decisions are being made and what might be made. There is a lot of speculation. And I heard today that in Germany, there's a relaxation of the rules around children in playgrounds. This is a, for parents, it's a relief. But finally, the children can have some fun and play. 
and enjoy the playground. It's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a recovery of their natural habitat. <laughs> there and bless them uh, for it. Uh, there. So, little by little, little steps here, little steps there, and hopefully, there'll be an appreciation and recognition of the importance of the Sangha meeting together of retreat centers, even if the numbers were restricted. So we've got to keep the exploring. If we, if we can't happen, this is how we meet. And still the ongoing you know, costs and the bills and all the um, uh, service to others, which takes place in retreats and outside of retreats. And just keeping that quiet voice with us um, alive. You know, we're, the, we're, we're, we're the Sangha of service. That's what, that's what we do. And wish to make it available to as many people as possible. And many people make it possible for us. And we respond. Presence to presence. Is there anything you'd like to say, Sonia, or uh, add, or on this at all? Can you hear me? Are you, are you uh, not muted all, are you? No, no, because I heard one of you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You, you have mentioned the most important points and... Um, I'm fine was was it at the moment I have nothing to add thank all you right, all right. yes thank you all right yeah. and a very big thank you to Sonia for uh, all the good support and uh, lovely to hear such uh, kind messages and words um, being given to us uh, from uh, a number of you uh, as as well for the morning sessions the afternoon sessions and the evening sessions over these uh, over these days there. So as we mentioned, <coughs> uh, and as we sent out to you, normally the usual procedure is the, on the retreat is the basket. It's completely anonymous. You just drop the donations in the basket. Teachers um, uh, receive, share, and it works fine like that. But in this case, unfortunately, even if I you know, I, I, I've got the gong. We could use that, but unfortunately, <laughs> you can't drop anything in it. <laughs> so, uh, our uh, <clears throat> wish is, if you can, to uh, give contribution to uh, us with the costs and so forth. Um, one way is through uh, PayPal uh, there, and you don't need to join PayPal, you just leave the card and we'll, uh, go there and the other can be through with um, the bank transfer. Just the two ways that we have. And also to give a small reminder again, with regard to support to beloved people at uh, Ward House in this time of uncertainty, such a lovely center uh, there and one hopes that the center can get through all, all of this so we can resume. And any support that you could give would be very much appreciated. 
You can either go to the Wardhouse website, or if you wish, you can just let Sonia and I know that if you are giving some donation to us, what um, and you would like to contribute for the Wardhouse, we, when we receive that, and if there's some sum of money in what you give to us, we will put that over to the Wardhouse, obviously, as uh, quickly as uh, possible. So this is the general um, uh, approach. First time I've ever given, I think, maybe not. Dana talk, oh, it's, all, it's, all, it's all new. It's an exploration. <laughs> all right. So um, let's just have a quiet minute together, uh, shall we? And then I'll just... Christopher, I have one question. Um, yes. Some participants have been asking if there's a possibility to get a um, donation receipt. Um, I miss that. A receipt. A donation receipt? Yes, there's absolutely no problem. People regularly ask. What I would suggest is you, the person, or, and Sonia could let people know, just send me a message, email, or Sonia, and, uh, and for a variety of reasons, um, people do appreciate the receipt. They will receive a formal receipt uh, from me, and with my name, address, website, the dates of the course, um, or if, it not, if the person was not on the course, that this is a um, donation uh, and all the purpose behind it. So that, that's made available, absolutely. And something I do very, very regularly. Yeah. All right, let's, should we have anything else on the donor donations? No, all good. So let's have the quiet minute together, shall we? Thank you. <clears throat> May all beings live mindful lives. May all beings appreciate the power of knowing interconnectedness. May all beings live with kindness and wisdom. Thank you and Tomorrow uh, morning, Sonia and I will be on the screen at uh, nine o'clock, a good time, eight o'clock uh, here in Britain. And we'll speak to you a little bit about the daily life, uh, daily questions, loving kindness, and uh, all that would probably, probably be finished around about 10 o'clock, maybe 10, 15 the latest. Uh, uh, so thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Sonia, and uh, lots of love. Uh, enjoy your evening, and all be well. See you in the morning. Okay, thank you. <laughs>